0: Good morning, church. Good morning. How are you? So Wasn't it good to be so enthusiastic? Yes. I, I, I reminded, um, I was in a school on, in Sydney on, on Monday, and in the, in the margins of what I was sharing, I said, don't forget, enthusiastic means entheos in God. So if you're, if you're in the Lord, you need to be enthusiastic. So, so let's be enthusiastic. Thank you to the worship team for, for leading us this morning. In our, in our time of worship, when you, worship doesn't stop now, you know, it's, it's, it's who we are yeah. uh, as a church. We, we are worshippers, we're called to be worshippers. Yeah. Even on the dark days, the dim days, we're still called to be worshippers of the Lord because He's always with us. When you go out of here this morning, He doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, so let's continue to serve Him with all that we have and be, be men and women of God. Our, our theme for this month is uh, uh, the real life, <laughs> the real life. I hadn't forgotten, I just wanted to draw your attention to the screen. The real life. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of people searching for authenticity. Uh, and, and, and sometimes we get, we get confused about what that means and, and, and we often feel that we have to perform uh, to, to certain expectations to live the, the real Christian life and to serve God. That's not the case. Heavenly Father, by your Spirit this morning, give us a clear understanding so that we can see our lives and our heart attitudes uh, and, and live the real life in a way that pleases you. And we come to you just as we are, with our own arms open wide, uh, because we can't do anything. We can't prove ourselves to you. Uh, Lord, we, we, we just come and, and we ha- ask that you would help us to live the real life that you called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I heard uh, the, the, uh, the head of the Australian Defence Forces on Angus on, uh, Houston on Friday uh, saying the world is entering an era of truth decay. I, I guess there's a bit of a pun in that, but but hard. To, sometimes it's hard to know what is what is truth and what is not. Um, you know, we all we all know that the issues of fake news and, and 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 that occasionally there might be one or two untruths on social media. Um, <laughs> you know. During the night, I woke up three times because my Fitbit was sending me scam messages, waking me up saying, you know, it just industry bank details. And, and so, so how do we work out what's real? How do we work out what's real? Dimmock sent me an email yesterday saying, oh, Alan, we're really sorry, but your, your Dimmock membership number is now in the deep, dark web. So, so how, how can we be sure? I'm sure that's affected others of you here. You know, we we, we, we we try and work out what's true and what's not, what what's real and what's what's fake. Uh, how many of you know that? that you know, we, we, we fact check our politicians. Yeah. We fact check our politicians and the meanings uh, uh, of their messages because occasionally they, they they conflict. Like like Pilate in the New Testament, we we stand and we shake our heads and we say, well, "What is truth?" Uh, and what do, where, where does the real world start? Where does the real world finish? Now, uh, I, I don't know if you're like me. I made a decision not to go and see Barbie. I saw Oppenheimer. And then a couple of weeks later, a couple of weeks later, uh, I found myself watching Barbie. <laughs> I'll confess. I'll confess. And I slide out of bed every morning. And I just, for those who've seen it, you know, just gently land in my pink car at the bottom. Um, <laughs> now... How many of you know the actress, the, the real Barbie, was an Australian, Australian actress who was paid $12.5 million? Yes. I'm sure she, she now wishes, now that Warner Brothers' records have been broken by that performance, uh, that she, maybe she'd got some more. But, but how, do we, how, do we, how, can, how can we work out you know, where we leave the land of fiction and dolls and expectations and dreams and come back into the real world where we live? How do we cross over? How do we become real when we live in a world of fiction? Um, because who, who we are is not the, uh, the, the cover story. The reality is not the cover story that we invent for others. Yeah, right. Who we are is not the fiction that we often play out. It's not the narratives that others write for us, but who we are when we're vulnerable, when we're alone. Yeah. That's when we, we see ourselves who, as who we really are without a mask. Now, I heard, and I'm sure that uh, I was shocked. If you, listen to, if you listen to Parliament occasionally, you might hear something shocking. I was driving the other day, and I heard a senator calling another senator a hypocrite. I thought, that is so unparliamentary. <laughs> when I was a kid, people used to say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. And so I thought, well, what does the word hypocrite mean? Now, I was, I was in, um, I hope you can see that, I was in, in France with Anita a little while ago, and, and, and that's a hypocrite. The word comes from those who wore masks, the, the actors who would go around and they put on a mask and they play the part. Uh, and, and so in a sense, there's, there's, there's the potential for us all to be hypocrites. So we need to distinguish today, what is the real life? How can we distinguish, how can we differentiate between uh, the, the real life and the fake life and the masks that people wear and allow the Holy Spirit to speak beyond the masks and get into our hearts and teach us what it is to real to live a real life so that we can conform to Jesus Christ as, as our identity uh, in in a way that, uh, you know, you, you, you can never turn your back on reality. You, you can't turn your back on reality in a world of illusion. Today, I want to talk about two men. Sorry, Ladies, I, I, I said a tale of two because I didn't want to offend anyone. Uh, but in this case, it's a tale of two men uh, that demonstrates two ways in which people come to God. Two ways in which people think about themselves. One is fake and one is real. Um, uh, uh, now, I know that the context is going to sound very different from the context that we face every day. But the, and, and the culture of the New Testament is far removed in some sense. Uh, from the world in which we live, and yet we haven't really changed all that much. We haven't changed all that much. Um, the underlying issues are the same. And, and Jesus once told a parable, which I'm sure is more than a parable because he, he would have seen this every single day. Jesus hung out with the religious leaders. He went to their houses. He debated theology with them. He ate their food. And he hung out with those who struggled with lifestyle choices that left them socially alienated. So he hung out with the religious people, he hung out with the rebels, he hung out with the tax collectors, he hung out with those who were despised. He visited the temple in Jerusalem and synagogues all around, all around where he lived in the north of what is now the nation of Israel, and he went to wild parties. Yes, he went to parties. Uh, and, and, and so, so how, how, did, how did Jesus distinguish what was real and what was fake, what was real and what was made up, and what does it mean for us? I want you to listen very carefully. Two two men, Jesus said, two men went up to the temple. Let's read from uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 9 to 12. Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. Oh, I love this. He said, he pulled up his, you know, stood up straight and held onto his lapels and says, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. (laughs) Wow. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, i give you a tenth of my income, blah, blah, blah. Now, (laughs) blah is not, it's not an Aramaic term, so you won't find it if you look it up. (laughs) But you get the drift. That This is him. And Jesus said, he looked at him and he turned to his disciples and said in Matthew chapter 6, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full already. They love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So can you imagine, can you picture this guy? What a guy. But Jesus saw right through him. Now, uh, a little bit of background quickly. The, the Pharisees were the, the, the largest religious grouping in the time of Jesus. But they, 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 they believed that they were the beautiful people. They, they had it, you know. They, 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 they measured up to all the expectations of what religiosity. They were certainly superior to the unwashed masses. And people would see them coming in the street. They were educated. They were f- refined. They scrupulously observed 613 commandments. Why settle for 10 when you can make it up to 613? They loved it when they have an audience. And as they were walking along, historians tell us that they would stop in the middle of the road and bend down to their waist and pray to God in a loud voice so that people around them would say, oh, wow, wow, you know, that that guy's so holy. He's so holy. He's so special. I know that we don't do that, to pray aloud so that other people will be impressed by our piety. But if, if, you've, if you've seen the, the, the series The Chosen, you know that what I'm describing, is it's not a parody. It's the way religion takes over people's thinking and people act up and play up and perform because they think that that's the way that we have to be to please God. And, and and as as they passed the ordinary sinners in the street, you know, they, the, the the shadow of them would would, would make people, uh, uh, you know, observe them and 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 just comment. You know, he, he must, he's so holy. He must be so close to God. They carefully trimmed their beards. They anointed themselves with oil. They dashed perfume over their freshly unshaven faces because they had beards. Um, And and, and historians tell us that they had 18 different garments. The average Pharisee in Jesus, they they had 18 different garments that they'd wear to enable them to appear holy in every conceivable role. The most pious of them lived in the temple or near the temple and they shunned just about everybody else as being unclean. They kept themselves separated from being contaminated. Jesus said these are people in his century or in ours who have great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And I'm not pointing the finger at any... You know, I point the finger at my own heart when I read this story. I'm reminded Mac Davis, no relative, wrote that those famous words, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking every day. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one man. And Jesus said, look at him, look at him carefully, listen to his language, look at his heart, because there's something wrong. On the other side of the room, over in the corner, up in the tiers, so that nobody would see him, uh, there is a tax collector. The tax collectors were, they, they, they were the rip-offs, they, they they worked for the Romans, they were low-life, they were held in the lowest esteem because they collected tariffs and taxes and handed it over and, and often exaggerated the amount that was owed so that they keep the balance uh, and the common people in Jesus day had nothing good to say about the Pharisees nothing good to say about them they were seen as traitors they were called sinners they were despised they were considered thieves and robbers and many of them were um, and they were they, they were they they extorted people and it was true they they, they milked this system under the protection of the Roman rulers to exploit the people because they always got their cut and they were hated because they were, especially by those who were trying to bring down the system. Can you imagine this Pharisee standing here saying, God, I am so good. God, I am so righteous. God, I am so religious. God, I I perform. I worship you just the way uh, I, I should. And you come and he looks over and sees one of these guys and says, God, I thank you that I'm better than everybody else, especially that dude over there. Have you got the picture? Two men went up to pray. The Pharisee stood apart from everybody else because he thought he was holy. The, 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 uh, the, the tax collector stood apart from everybody else because he thought he was unworthy. The Pharisee relied on, entirely on his religion. The tax collector had nothing he could rely on. The Pharisee was probably sincere because no one's been born wearing a mask, but he was sincerely wrong. You can be sincere... Because you can be sincerely wrong. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but the, the publican, on the other hand, had zero pious works to show off. No, no special outfit, no perfume, no oil, no CV to, to impress God, and everyone knew it. Let's not develop the attitude of the Pharisee. Let's not yeah. look down on people who are not like us. God sees our hearts. God sees what's going on deep down inside. The Pharisee thought he was perfect in every, every way, but he forgot that God's not interested in the external appearances. What God looks at is our hearts. Yeah. The, the publican had no bragging rights. All he could do, let's look at verses 13 and 14. All he could do, as the tax collector stood at a distance, he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, as he, prayed. instead he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God because those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And and here's the irony, okay? Have you got the picture? Two guys, maybe there were lots of people there, but, but two guys at opposite ends of the spectrum and the Pharisee is looking toward the Holy of Holies where God lives and he doesn't even know that God's not there anymore. Go figure. How do you work that out? The the Roman uh, military leader, General Pompey, came to Jerusalem in 63 BC and uh, and, and he walked into the temple, walked into the Holy of Holies where the Ark used to reside, walked in there and came out and said, it's empty. There's nothing in there. It's It's just space. God's not in there any longer. I wonder how often we... Ask ourselves whether we're worshipping a form and a tradition or we're, we're looking to have a, a personal relationship with God. Because when God actually came back in human flesh, they, were, they felt uncomfortable. that He didn't fit their model. And as a result, they feared him and they hated him. And most of Jesus' ministry was outside the temple. Most of Jesus' ministry was not in church. But in the dusty, dangerous streets and smelly laneways, Filled with rubbish and human waste and tax collectors and others come And he loved it. Jesus changed all those perspectives we have about religion. When, 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 when we leave church this morning, I, I, love it. I love it when we come together. I love it when we worship God together. I love it when we hang after church and, and, and share our meals together. But, but the, the real life is who we are here and when we go back home, when we go to Woolies, when we go to the coffee shop, how we relate to people, how we think about people in our hearts. Yeah. The Pharisee said, thank you, God, I'm better than everyone. I keep the rules. In fact, the rules required that he fast once a year, but he fasted twice a week, especially on market days when people came to look and all the media were there. <laughs> okay, so, so twice a week, he said, he said, God, I pay my dues. I look like the part, I'm not like that wretched tax collector over there, but the reality wasn't real. The reality wasn't true. He wasn't praying to God, he was praying to himself. Uh, and and, and it, was, it was empty. What did the Pharisee, what did the publican do? All he could do was call out for God's mercy. The hardest words, three of the hardest words in the English language are, I have sinned. No one wants to confess. No one wants to own up that they're not perfect in every way. The Pharisee, his, his traditions and his religion got in the road, but actually alienated from God in his fantasy world, in his fantasy world, in his Barbie world. He was convinced that God, that God looked on his, his good works and, 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 and thought he was a great man, and God, but God's saying, who are you? I don't even know you. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, the publican who who knew that he was a sinner and said, God, I need your mercy. He was the one who went home in right relationship with God. He was the one who went home justified. No one wants to hang out with sinners. Don't know if you know a famous rapper, uh, uh, Tupac Shakur. He said this, the realest people don't have a lot of friends. Some of you know him. The realist people don't have a lot of friends. He was alienated. He was scorned by the religious people. Uh, but of the, two, of the two guys, the two characters in the story, he was the one who got it. God, I need your mercy. God, I can't live without your mercy. God, I can't live without your presence. God, I, there's nothing that I can bring, nothing that I can depend on. I can only cling to your mercy. And, 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 he said, and Jesus says, this is the real life. This is the real life. Iris Murdoch, some of you have read her books, said we live in a fantasy world, a world of illusion. The great task in this life is to find reality. How do we work it out? Well, as Christians, as Christians, we, we know and we believe that the first step is to, to, to a real life is to get back into a, a right relationship with God. Resist the urge to play. Resist the urge to fake. Resist the urge to make it up and come just as we are. Just as we are, without anything to offer him, accept ourselves and say, Jesus, I can't impress you because you see what's going on in my heart. Jesus, I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need to have a relationship with you. I come just as you are. Just as I am, sorry. Second Corinthians, if you've been reading the one-year Bible, just recently said this, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Don't let somebody else's opinion of you. Don't let your reputation become your reality. Remember, Jesus said, I haven't come to call the really beautiful people. I've come to call sinners. <laughs> he said, I haven't come to call, call those who, who, who don't need God any longer because their religion is so good. He said, I, it, it, you know, they're, they're, they're ragged, they're dirty, they're inferior, uh, they're conflicted. But hey, guys, they're going to beat you to heaven. <laughs> wow. They're going to beat you to heaven because they know that they need a relationship with God. They know that they need God's mercy. So what, what is the real life? In the context of this passage. The real life involves acknowledging our spiritual needs instead of being performance driven or finding our reality in our achievements. The real life is living in humility and dependence upon God instead of relying on our own actions and pomp and, 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 and form. The real life is knowing how as Christians we can live in true repentance, not deceiving ourselves that we're better than others, but that we come to God with open arms and say, God, I, I need your mercy, I need your love, because without that, there is nothing. That I, I am nothing. I can't bring anything. I'm, I'm just flesh and blood, and then I'm gone. The real life is being open to change, not comparing ourselves with others, but depending entirely on Jesus Christ. This is the real life. When I was a kid, my, my mother used to say, be careful of polishing your halo because one day it'll slip and choke you. <laughs> we, we, we think that the people who please God are those who have halos and are in, 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 in all the iconography. And, uh, but, but we don't worship to be seen by people. No. We don't live the Christian life to be seen by people. Yeah. I lost my halo. <laughs> I can't find it. I think maybe my wife put it on Gumtree. I haven't. I've, I've lost my halo. I, I just have to come to God as I am. Warts and all, so to speak. Our attitude should be this. God, that that publican had nothing that he could offer, but he came to you and he confessed his need and he stood in your presence and said, God, I'm a sinner. God, I need you. I want you to be involved in my life. I want your, your forgiveness. I'm not going to blow my own trumpet. I'm not going to stand... Out in the middle of the floor so that people will admire how good I am. All I have are the empty arms that I bring and I stretch out to you. That's all I am. That's all I have. That's all that I can bring to you. A few years ago, we went to the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. If you've been there, do you remember, you know, here's God reaching out to Adam and Adam reaching out to God. And Adam's got nothing on. But don't tell your kids that. Uh, and and, 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 and when, you, when you stand and you look at it, here's Adam reaching out to God. He, he says, God, I can't bring anything. I'm not relying upon myself. I'm not relying on my goodness. I'm not relying upon my, my traditions. God, I come to you. You know my heart. You know what I need. You know my lack. You know my deficiencies. You know my faults. I'm not better than the other person on the other side of the room. I'm not. I'm not. And I come to you as I am. The only way to please God is to confess that we need Him every day. In our home life, in our personal lives, in our our thinking, in our career planning, in what we're thinking about doing for the future. Some of us feel like we've stumbled in some big ways. Well, I tell you what, we've all stumbled. But God loves you. God loves you. And if you forget nothing else, if you remember rather nothing else about these two men who went to the temple to pray, remember this, that it was the man who stood before God and said, God, I'm, I am nothing. And God said, you can have a real life. Because you, you can live in reality, you can live in honesty, you can live with your heart wide open, knowing that I love you. The world around us needs to, you know, they'll call one another hypocrites, and they'll look, you know, people see straight through <laughs> uh, because they're not fools. But what do, what do they see when they look into your heart? I want people when they look at me to see that I love them because God loves me and God loves them. That's the message that we have as a church. That's the the power of of the gospel and of what we preach. The only boast that we have is Christ. He's the only boast we have. And this is where the real life starts. What do you think Jesus would say today? He'd come in and say, "Let's, let's sit down and over Sunday hangs and have a chat. You know, where are you going? Who are you? What are you doing? What are your plans? I want to be involved in your life. I want to be in charge of your life. I want to be directing you. I want you to experience my love. Remember, God loves you and God has a purpose for your life, and your identity isn't on your performance. Your identity is based in who you are with Christ in your life. You're a man, you're a woman made in the image of God, and God loves you. And Jesus died for you. And he rose to give you power to live for him. That's the real life. That's the real life. So whether you're a public servant or you work in the hospital or at school, whether you're finishing a university course, whatever you're doing, he wants to be real there. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to wear masks. I gave away all my masks. And, and, and when we come to him, it's just just, just who we are.